0: It is that time of year again. The days are slowly but surely getting shorter. The temperature is slowly but surely starting to cool off more and more. And before we know it, the leaves will start changing colors. That's right, folks. Fall is in the air. It's coming soon. And with the coming of fall is what many consider one of their most favorite holidays of the year. Halloween. And of course with halloween comes some of my favorite things of all time horror movies in this series i'm going to share with you some of the movies that i consider to be foundational to my lifelong love of horror now some of these movies are going to be older than some of you even listening to this show (laughs) that's okay just remember these are the movies that lit that spark in me to love horror welcome To my horror history. Welcome to Voluntary Input. The movie opens with an ominous view of a home drenched in red lighting, but it slowly softens to review nothing more than just a home. It quickly switches to a stormy night. There are gunshots coming from this home, and we soon see the barrel of a gun as someone walks through shooting the sleeping inhabitants. Soon, there are police vehicles and ambulances. The caption reads, November 13th, 1974, Amityville, Long Island. Mother, father, and four of their children murdered. No apparent motive. A pair of detectives discuss the tragedy. What time do you make it? 315 Sergeant Fredo lights his cigar. We get one last look as the bodies are carried away. A year later, a young couple, George and Kathy Lutz, is looking at the home. They love that there's a boat slip. The realtor points out a gardening hut that can be used as a guest house. She tells them there's no other house on the market at this price. The couple seems to really like the house. The realtor tells them it's a bit of a fixer-upper. The Lutzes tell them they they just got married and they already have kids. Two boys and a girl. As they continue to tour each room, we see flashbacks of the murderous night. The realtor leaves them alone in the attic to discuss the house. The wife asks if the murders that took place bother him. He replies, nah, houses don't have memories. The realtor is obviously unnerved by this house. As she's finishing some paperwork in the kitchen, her papers are softly blown. She quickly leaves. Later on, the family is moved in. George Lutz comments on how his stepchildren are at least now calling him George. As they're unpacking, he asks Kathy where to hang their large silver cross. She tells him to hang it in the living room where the sunlight can hit it. They go meet the children outside to play. A priest, Father Delaney, stops by to visit. He calls out, but no one answers. He hears laughter coming from an upstairs room and goes to investigate. He enters the room but no one is there when he goes to the window he sees the family is actually outside playing by the water he tries to open the window but can't he sits his things down planning to begin blessing the house suddenly flies begin to gather on the window and the bedroom door slams shut he feels it getting warmer More flies gather on the window. More and more and more. They are now on him as well. A foul stench fills the air. He can barely breathe. Just then the bedroom door opens. He hears a whisper. Get out. And then loudly. Get out. He quickly leaves, still sickened. The Lutzes are ready for dinner. They find their daughter Amy fast asleep. George takes her up to bed. The priest calls the house to speak to them. Kathy answers tries to warn them about what happened to him, but they're ecstatic in the line. He quickly hangs up. And then the phone receiver has somehow blistered his hand. George asks who called. As they talk in the kitchen, George points out, feels like it's cold in this house. The thermostat reads 72, but he says it feels like 32. This house is supposed to be well insulated, he says sarcastically. Gonna nickel and dime me to death. Kathy says she feels there's some draft coming up from the basement. He goes to investigate and notices an oddly boarded up wall. Just then, one of the boys stumbles down the stairs. We'll check this out tomorrow, George points out. Later, their daughter Amy comes into their bedroom. I want to go home, she says. Kathy comforts her and tucks her back into bed. Kathy turns out the light, and as she leaves and closes the door, a rocking chair in the corner slowly begins to rock on its own. George awakens at 3 a.m. He checks in Amy's room and notices the window is open, and the door to the boat slip is swinging in the breeze. He takes their dog, Harry, to investigate. No burglars. On their fourth day in their new home, Kathy comes home with groceries. George is relentlessly chopping wood. She walks up and playfully tickles him. He rudely says, don't ever do that. Not to a man with an ax in his hand. He eventually helps her with the groceries. Kathy mentions her aunt, a nun, is coming over. George isn't too happy about it she then smells something odd and then Amy suddenly appears and says her friend Jody and her are going to play upstairs Kathy gets a chance to call the priest Father Delaney she's told he's not feeling well she says he was supposed to come and bless the house but he never showed up she's told he was there maybe there was some sort of mix up The family is gathered around one of the bathroom toilets. There is a strong odor and a a dark, black, tar-looking water substance coming up from the toilet. Just then, Kathy's aunt is at the door. The kids let her in and then run off to play. She immediately doesn't feel well. The chandelier slowly rocks back and forth. She's sweaty and nauseated. She says she just can't stay and quickly leaves. As she drives away, she has to stop her car to get sick. On the fifth day, Kathy is painting and listening to music. George is making a large fire. He just can't seem to get warm. Kathy asks him to come to bed. The fire went out, he says. She tells him she hopes he isn't coming down with anything. He says he has to stay healthy for her brother's wedding. And he's becoming more and more short with her as he speaks to her. At 3.15 a.m., Kathy suddenly sits up and screams, She was shot in the head. George notices the time, and Kathy falls back asleep. Father Delaney and his young counterpart, Father Bolin, are on their way back to the house. Suddenly, their car goes out of control. It can't be slowed down, but also the brakes don't seem to work. They crash into a sign and come to a halt. Father Delaney notices a fly on the windshield. Back at the Lutz's house, their dog, Harry, is in the basement, barking and he just won't stop. Kathy's brother Jimmy is at their home. He's getting married. He's counting money over and over. Money that belongs to the caterer. He has to pay him in cash. He's obviously very nervous. It's his wedding day and he wants to get this right. George walks in. Her brother point out points out that George looks terrible. It's time to leave and suddenly Jimmy's money is missing. They leave Amy with a babysitter because they feel she's sick. She notices, the babysitter that is, notices that it's freezing in Amy's room. Amy tells the babysitter she doesn't want to go to bed. She wants to play with Jody. The babysitter goes to Amy's closet and the door suddenly slams shut. She can't get out and calls out to Amy. Amy calmly sits, staring at the closet door as the babysitter screams. The babysitter's knuckles slowly become bloody from knocking and screaming. And then suddenly, the closet light goes off. Kathy and George are at the wedding reception. George forcefully tells the caterer he will write him a check since Jimmy lost the money he looks and feels terrible so they eventually leave when they return home they find the babysitter still in the closet they ask Amy why didn't she let her out Jody wouldn't let me she replies George angrily asks who is Jody and yells at the boys who've come to see what's happening He then snaps at Kathy. These kids of yours need some discipline. Amy says, Jody doesn't like George. George is downstairs trying to find Jimmy's money. It still isn't there. On the eighth day, Father Delaney is explaining to the church leadership what he's experienced. They don't believe him. He explains that the young man who killed his family testified he heard voices in the house that told him to do it. He says he's heard the voices and felt the present. The leadership points out that half the killers in this country say the same thing. The voices told me to do it. It becomes apparent to him they don't believe him. He becomes enraged but is quickly called out. He says he's worried about the Lutz family, but ultimately they tell him they think he needs to take a vacation. On the 11th day in the home, George is still obsessively chopping wood. George's business partner, Jeff, and his wife, Carolyn, come to visit. Carolyn doesn't want to go any closer to the house. She says the house gives her the creeps. Jeff explains to George that no one has seen or heard from him in days and payroll needs to be signed. George is obsessed with sharpening his axe. Upstairs, Amy is playing with her dolls. The boys hang out the window, teasing her. Kathy laughs and asks what they're up to. Just then the window slams down on one of the boys' hand, Greg's. It bleeds and the window is stuck. All of the adults try to open it, but they can't. Finally, we see that they've taken him to the hospital. Strangely, there are no broken bones. He tries to talk to George about it as they lie in bed later that night. He ignores her as if he's asleep, but he awakens at 3.15 a.m. He walks through the dark house. He hears flies and finds hundreds of them on a window and coming into the house. He tries to close the window, but it's stuck. Suddenly, the front door blasts off its hinges. He tells Kathy to call the police. He goes back to the room. All of the flies are gone, and he can now easily close the window. The police and Sergeant Giafito arrive. The basement door has been damaged just like the front door. George and the sergeant go to the basement. The dog Harry's in the basement whining and scratching at the wall. The sergeant asks George if he's related to the previous family. He notes that George resembles them. He also points out that their front door was broken out, not broken in. The sergeant is later seen out front, staking out their home. Kathy talks to Amy about Jody. Amy says that Jody has told her about the little boy that got hurt and died in the home, and that Jody wants them to stay with her forever and ever. George heads to City Hall and the library, trying to find out more about the home. Meanwhile, Kathy tries to call Father Delaney. The phone rings and rings, and when he finally answers, she tells him she needs to talk to him. He tries to warn her about what he thinks is going on, but suddenly there's static in the line, and he has trouble breathing. Kathy begins to pray. An odd breeze comes over her. Suddenly, there's someone scratching at the window. A neighbor holding a six-pack of beer says that everyone in the neighborhood wants to welcome them here. She excuses herself as the phone rings. But again, they're static in the line. She hangs up. And when she returns to the door, the neighbor with the beer is mysteriously vanished George stops by a bar to meet his partner Jeff Jeff says George looks awful just then the bartender spills their beer he says he's sorry but George looks just like the young man who would murdered his family in the house he apologizes and gets them more beers Jeff is very upset with George their business is falling apart He says he would warned George about all of this, marrying a woman with kids, buying a big house, and so on. He says George is taking on too much. George, filled with rage, punches him. Later in the night, Amy is in her room singing, Jesus loves me. Kathy smiles and walks in. The rocking chair across from Amy is slowly rocking, but suddenly stops. Kathy asks who she is singing to, and Amy tells her, "You scared Jody." And tells her that Jody went out the window. Kathy says she'd better check to make sure she's still not out there and goes to the window. There is a quick, low growl, and a pair of glowing eyes can be seen quickly moving away, frightening Kathy. Back at the bar, George and Jeff have been joined by Carolyn, and George is explaining some of the many odd things that have been happening at the house, as Carolyn thumbs through a book George got from the library. Just then, Carolyn finds a historical record about the house being built on grounds previously used by witches. She explains that energy cannot be destroyed, only changed. Jeff is skeptical. He says George should go home, get cleaned up, and take Kathy out to dinner. He and Carolyn will watch the kids so George can clear his head. George agrees. They all arrive at the home. George goes in to talk to Kathy and tells them to wait outside for a bit. Suddenly, Carolyn feels drawn to go in. She says she needs to see the basement. She's very sensitive about picking up on vibes, she says. She knows a lot about them. Meanwhile, Kathy is explaining to George what she saw. He tells her perhaps it was a stray cat. He pleads with her to take Jeff and Carolyn up on their offer to let them go out while while they babysit the kids. He says he just needs to check the fire first. Carolyn and Jeff have made their way into the house and down to the basement. Carolyn is explaining how the land was previously used, giving Jeff the creeps. The dog Harry is still scratching at the walls, his paws bleeding. Carolyn says there are people buried. here. Jeff tries to comfort the dog and wipe his paws. Suddenly, Carolyn grabs an axe and starts trying to cut into the wall. Just then, George comes down. At first, he's a bit angry, but then agrees with Carolyn. There is something here. He takes the axe from her and begins cutting into the brick wall himself. Kathy comes down. What's going on? Just then, George breaks through. The walls of the secret room are blood red and George sees a flash of his own face in the wall. Carolyn, shaking, says, they come and go through here. She suddenly seems overrun by someone or something. Then, in an odd voice, she says, Find the well. It's the passage to hell. She screams, and we then see Father Delaney holding his own ears in agony. Suddenly, his phone rings. When he answers, there's a short bit of static, and then the phone hangs up. Kathy's explaining to George, he heard that voice. He knows whose it is. They have to do something now. They make their way to the living room. The cross they hung when they first moved in is now completely black, with soot, and upside down. The sergeant has been outside watching. He notices shadows as George and Kathy walk through the house with the cross, praying blessings out loud. George suddenly drops the cross. When Kathy grabs it, there are welts on her hand. On day 17, young Father Bolin is explaining to Father Delaney that he believes we all make our own demons in our own minds. He says he knows fear, and he's seen it. Delaney gives him a pretty doubtful look and walks to the altar to prepare a prayer. As he prays, some of the statues in the church begin to crack and crumble. He prays louder and louder, and then a piece of one of the statues breaks away and strikes him in the face, blinding him. On the 18th night, At 3.15 a.m., George is awakened to what sounds like military marching drums. He makes his way downstairs, and the drums suddenly stop. He stumbles over a dragon statue and falls. He says aloud, what do you want from us? This is my house. A storm rolls in, awakening Kathy. She goes to Amy's room and finds George standing over her with a bloody ax. He turns to Kathy and swings to hit her in the head. And she awakens from this nightmare. But it's still storming outside and George is back in bed. On the 19th day, we find George in front of the fireplace. He screams, I'm coming apart. Kathy comes to check on him. He says he was just dreaming. He's okay. But she notices what looks like bite marks on his foot. He explains he had just tripped. He tells her to stop nagging him and it's always so cold in the house. As he adds more wood to the fire, Kathy says she wants to leave and will he please just leave that fire alone? He tells her she's the one that wanted the house and this is it he slaps her then returns to adding more wood to the fire Kathy goes to the church looking for father Delaney she meets father Bolin who tells her that Delaney has gone on vacation she begs to see him but Bolin tells her it's out of his hands the sergeant has also began following father Bolin Bolin meets Delaney at a park. He's obviously broken. He's solemn and doesn't speak as Bolin tries to speak to him cheerfully about his mail and maybe having lunch at this park sometime. Finally, Bolin leaves and runs into the sergeant who asks to speak with him. He says he's trying to figure out what's going on with Father Delaney, but Bolin tells him there's nothing to try to figure out and simply leaves. Kathy begins to look into the murders herself that occurred at the house. On one of the microfilm slides she's obtained, she sees a picture of the murderer and it looks just like George. This upsets her so she quickly heads home. Meanwhile, George is home sharpening his ax and then digging a hole in the front yard. In the basement, the floor of the red room is rumbling, and the dog, Harry, continues to bark at it. It also appears that George is knelling the windows closed as a strong wind gust picks up. It is the final night, and a very strong storm has rolled in. Kathy finally arrives home. It is pouring rain and George is checking on the boat. Kathy stumbles as she runs into the house, screaming. Once upstairs, she looks out the window and sees George walking back to the house carrying an axe. He sees a menacing creature in one of the upstairs windows. He quickly runs into the house, calling for Amy, axe in hand. As he makes his way up the stairs, blood can be seen seeping from the walls. Obviously, Kathy believes that George is going to try to harm the children with the axe. So she's hidden them in a small room in the attic. George begins trying to chop through the door. Kathy comes up behind him and grabs him. He turns and almost strikes her with the axe. But then he quickly realizes it's her. He says he would never hurt her. She says she saw his picture in the newspaper that she had been looking at. Just then a bolt of lightning strikes the house, busting out one of the windows. They grab the children and quickly make a run for it. More and more blood begins seeping from the walls. The floor of the red room in the basement explodes as they try to make their way down the blood-covered staircase the entire house shakes and rattles the front door is stuck closed and they and at first they can't get out they finally make their way out to the rain into the rain they make their way to their van amy cries out i want harry who's still down in the basement kathy tells george to please just leave and he takes off. Once down the road a bit, George stops the van, gets out, and runs back to the house to get the dog. He obviously wanted to get his family out of danger first. He makes his way back inside, calling for Harry. As he heads down the basement stairs, they collapse, and he falls into a pit of blood. Harry is Barking and growling at the red room as a blood-covered figure crawls out of the floor. Harry begins to attack, but then slowly realizes it's George. He helps pull George out of the pit in the floor. Man and dog make their way back up the stairs. As they go to leave, the front door slams shut again. George breaks a window so that he and Harry can finally make their way to freedom. Finally, the caption reads, George and Kathleen Lutz and their family never reclaimed their house or their personal belongings. Today, they live in another state. Now some of you may say, really? This movie? Truth be told, 1979's The Amityville Horror really isn't a great movie. However, I had read this book before the movie was was released. I absolutely loved the book. In fact, it actually scared me because remember, for me, horror isn't just about movies. There are also there's also some great horror literature. And as a kid, I had long believed in ghost stories. But this book was the first book that made me question the validity of it all as there are lots of issues and loopholes with the Lutz's account of this haunting, inconsistencies and rumors of alcoholism and possibly even some abuse within the family. In fact, it was even said that the investigators pointed out a strong aroma of alcohol when speaking with the Lutzes. But again, as a horror ghost story, it was an excellent one, in my opinion. And that's why it fits into the foundation of my horror history. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this series, and I hope you enjoyed your Halloween for 2021. Now, again, this series was not about what were the best horror movies or some sort of top 10 or top 100 list of horror movies of all time or anything like that. These are the movies, as I've said repeatedly, that just basically set that foundation for my love of horror. And of course over the years I do have some great horror favorites like The Shining, which actually I was thinking about doing as the ghost story for this episode. However, the thing, the fact of the matter is I had actually read the book, The Amityville Horror, before The Shining was even released. I actually read The Amityville Horror before I actually read The Shining, as a matter of fact. Some other favorites, Dawn of the Dead, the original Dawn of the Dead, that was still remains perhaps my favorite zombie movie of all time. And you know how you guys, you know, and you guys know how I've always said that I don't really care for remakes, remakes, but I actually found the Dawn of the Dead remake to be really, really well done. There's also Phantasm, It's Alive, The Howling, and so on, and so on, and so on. Again, lots and lots of great horror that I've always loved, that I saw, as a young person that helps set the foundation for my lifelong love of horror again thanks again guys for tuning into this series and i hope you have a safe and happy and spooky halloween take care we'll see you next time